What is up, everybody? Welcome back to First on Rundown. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Tuesday, March 1st, officially the beginning of March. I'm so hyped for March. I don't know about you, Matt, but I March, I think, is one of the best months in sports across the whole year. And I know that Matt probably thinks the same thing because he's always preached how he loves March Madness and everything like that. So today we've got of course, in college basketball, we've got two topics for college basketball, and then we've got two topics for NFL as well. It's kind of going to be our NFL Combine preview episode, as you guys see in the title. So, yeah, we're going to be going NFL second, though, because we think that college basketball is more important at this time of year, and it's probably what people want to hear the most. So, Matt, how are you? Yeah, it is March, which is the best month. Well, not the best. Maybe the best month of the year. I don't know. Either way, as Hayden uh uh, alluded to the 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 Thursday well I could say the Thursday and Friday but the the weekend Thursday through Sunday of the first round of the NCAA tournament is my fi- are my favorite four days of the entire year literally like you could put me on a beach in Hawaii and I wouldn't be as happy as I will be literally like sitting at work watching all these games <laughs> on you know during the during the first round of the tournament it's just it's amazing i make like 87 brackets and i have so much fun doing it and i prognosticate every single matchup and we're going to do that here on the podcast so yeah c- couldn't be more excited for that it starts in two weeks all right the podcast that you listen to two weeks from today me and hayden will be giving away every single one of our bracket picks our upset picks our best bets everything that's going on there um and i again couldn't be more excited for it so but but we also have you know for, for the football fans out there we have an nfl combine coming up uh this thursday so gonna give a little preview of that see see you know kind of see see who we think are, are people that do well maybe people who are performing that or are participating that shouldn't participate vice versa um and then we'll also kind of go over take a look at the quarterbacks for this upcoming draft. Cause I think a lot has come out recently about, you know, maybe some are getting overhyped, maybe some are getting under talked about all that stuff. So uh, yeah, going to be a good, going to be a great episode and, and definitely in preparation for the combine and March madness, which are two extremely huge and, and awesome spectacle sporting events to be, to be a part of. Yeah. I'm, I'm super excited to get into the March madness stuff and have our, our huge, NCAA tournament preview episode right before the tournament comes up here sooner rather than later, just about two weeks, T minus two weeks until we have that, that episode. So yeah, that's going to be really fun. But today we've got practically just as fun of an, of an episode. Um, We've got, like I said, we got some college basketball first and then some NFL. So to get into college basketball, this past Saturday was truly historic. It was one of the most crazy Saturdays that you'll ever come across in all of college basketball. Every one of the top six ranked teams lost all in one day. So this is the first time that that's ever happened. And it's probably going to be the only time that that's ever happened um, for a very long time from here on out. So let's just kind of break down the ones that we watched and give our comments on it overall. Now, if you guys don't know who the top six teams are, or if you kind of need a little refresher, um, and who they lost to. So I'm going to go over the top six teams and, and who they lost to and kind of give some backstory on so, like a, a general preview of, of the six of them. So the Gonzaga lost to St. Mary's and Gonzaga was number one. Arizona at number two lost to Colorado. Auburn at number three lost to Tennessee. Purdue at number four lost to Michigan State. Kansas at number five lost to Baylor. And Kentucky at number six lost to Arkansas. Now, one thing about all six of these games is that the the teams that lost, so the top six teams that lost, all of them were away. So they all played against teams in the other team's stadium, but that that doesn't really matter. And I, I'm, I'm kind of going to kind of hand it over to Matt here to kind of talk about what he thinks about that, because I think that is kind of a big, a big like topic here is or a big part of this topic is that all six teams were away when they lost. And that's a huge factor when it comes to college basketball. So Matt, what do you think? Well, just to add on to what you were saying before with kind of the top teams losing. Yes. Each of the top six ranked teams lost, but we also had the number 19 team lose Texas tech lost to an unranked TCU team. Uh, they yep. Texas tech was also on the road for that game. So yeah. So seven of the top 10 teams won and, and Baylor was number 10 when they beat Kansas. So realistically seven of the top nine teams in college basketball lost this just on Saturday. Like that's insane. Uh, so 
So, right. I, I think that, you know, Hayden really hit the nail on the head here. E, every one of those teams was playing on the road. And as we've mentioned before, and if you don't know, playing on the road in college basketball is basically the hardest thing that you can do. It's just, and I, and I think kind of it's, it's mostly due to the proximity of the, of the fans and the, you know, the environment and the, and everybody is just so much closer to the court that the guys are playing on than in any other sporting event in the world. I mean, you know, soccer, football, like they're all, you kind of have the field, then you have the sidelines, and then you have the stadiums. And for the most part, especially for, you know, I mean, I guess like hockey stadiums are really the kind of the only other like sport that I can think of that's not outside. The sport, the the, the stadiums are, are, not, are not covered. It's not arenas, right? They're stadiums, open air. So like when it gets loud, you know, like we've, we've heard obviously like the Seahawks and the Chiefs have two of the loudest NFL stadiums. And sure, it's, it's, insanely hard to hear when you're a player on the field in those two, you know, those two environments, but you, you, it's, it's not, it's not like being in an arena where like the noise is basically just echoing off of itself. When a team starts making a run, especially a team like most of these, you know, most of these teams here are that, that, that beat their, you know, that beat the top 10 teams. So the kind of the team that was at home that, that didn't really, either they were either ranked lower in the top 25 or not ranked at all this is like the biggest game for them, right? Because for a lot of these teams, I mean, you think about, you know, the, the TCU, Michigan State, well, Michigan State's going to make the tournament, but like Colorado, like St. Mary's, like a lot of these teams aren't necessarily like bona fide to make March Madness. And so for for these, for a lot of these teams, it's like, this is your last chance to put together, you know, a, a, the best possible performance that you can, you know, beat a, a conference rival and a top 10 team. And so there's a ton of motivation kind of you know embedded here on top of the fact that you're already playing at home and so you already have kind of the crowd behind you and your home court you know you're used to shooting the ball in the baskets and everything so it's like that all goes into kind of having a home court advantage in college basketball and so that's why it's so hard to go on the road and win and and that's why a lot of these teams who are you know who are ranked in the top 10 and stuff like that we we talk about having road wins as being one of those significant factors that can that can really separate you from, you know, the kind of the other teams that are maybe in the top 25 or, or kind of the, you know, the other seeds that are, that are a little bit, you know, maybe a two or three seed when it comes to like the March Madness or conference tournament time. So that's really what we're getting at here is like, I'm not surprised that a bunch of these teams lost, you know, away from their home court because they were playing on the road. I just think it's so cool that like, somehow the schedules lined up for, you know, for seven of the top nine teams to be on the road playing teams that they were all essentially favored against. I think the only, the only underdog that won a top 10 matchup, you know, that beat one of these top 10 teams uh, was Tennessee. Tennessee was actually favored to win the game because they were at home and they were already ranked in like in the top 20, I think. So, um, so makes sense there, but everybody else, all these other teams that lost were, were favored either by a lot or maybe even by a little um, and, and they got upset. And so, that's, I think that's just how cool it was is like, there had to be so many things. That's kind of my last point here. And then I'll, I'll let Hayden give his thoughts. The, there were so many things that had to happen in order for like this to all to come together, right? You had to have these specific teams all in the top 10. You had to have them all playing on the same day and you had to have them all playing away from home. Like the, the, that, that combination of, of, of like degrees of percentages and all this stuff is like almost impossible and something that we could have never projected or foreseen to happen even a couple of weeks ago, much less like when, you know, when the beginning of the season. So, you know, if, if you had told me at the beginning of the season, like, okay, so there's going to be basically the first weekend in March, right? Which obviously everybody knows, like March is college basketball time. March is March madness time. Um, if you would have told me that the first weekend in March, you know, that Saturday, um, seven of the top nine, nine teams would, would lose. Like, I'd be like, Oh my God, this is the best college basketball season ever, which like, I really think it has potential to do. And that's kind of where I want to close out here is like, I think this really bodes well for the fact that there are no favorites going into March Madness. There usually is, right? There's either one or two teams, usually one, sometimes two, that you kind of think, all right, you know, these are definitely going to be one seeds going into March Madness. They're going to blow through their side of the bracket. They're going to make it to the final four. And the real question becomes, are they going to be able to finish the deal and win a championship? But with this year, you literally have no idea. And, and that's the cool part too, is that these teams that have looked so great throughout the year, they don't look so great anymore. And they, they were humbled away from home. Now, 
the only argument to the other side, sorry, I keep going long on this, but the only argument to the other side that, I, that I've heard that's kind of valid is that a lot of these teams have either already won the regular their regular season, like the conference, uh, the regular season conference championship, uh, kind of you know prior to going into the into the conference tournament, or they know that they're solidified into getting a top you know one or two or three seed in March Madness, and so they're kind of people were describing it as a board. I don't know if I was a board, but but almost like complacent in the sense that like they're like all right we we proved ourselves throughout the entire rest of the regular season like we're honestly trying to rest our players rest their bodies make sure they're ready for the conference tournament and for march madness and so you know that kind of maybe i think helped a little bit in terms of a lot of these upsets happening but like i said again there's so much that had to go right in order for all of this to happen and for you know for this to be as historic as it ended up being and i think that it just makes for such good entertainment value as we move into march and especially march madness yeah i think it's the perfect precursor to the tournament it's like you know the the weekend before march we get this crazy phenomenon that happens that's never happened before in the history of college basketball and we get it on a Saturday, you know, of, of all days. It's just like, that's, I mean, Saturday is the king of college sports, you know? So it's just like, it happens on the Holy grail of college on the day of Holy grail of college sports. And it's just like, this is awesome. Um, one thing that I, that I kind of did want to touch up on that Matt mentioned was the fact that, yeah, I think, I think the way he described the home field, I mean, the home court advantage situation is actually really good. I think that, like one thing you have to think about as, as, as a player on the court. Yeah. You're in a closed arena. You have noise just echoing off the walls the whole entire game. But yeah, if, if you, if you're a team on the road, like you get heckled by fans, I don't think many people really think about that, but like you get heckled by the fans that are really up close to you. And you also, it's like you're on the court and you have basically nowhere to go. It's just like, you're, you're kind of just on the court. All you can do is just, think like all you can do is hear your own thoughts because it's way too loud to communicate with anybody you can't you know there's no way you're gonna yell over the over the like the other i mean yell yell over the sound of the crowd and and try to call out plays and stuff like that so like yeah you're basically just sitting there on your own and you have your own thoughts to hear and that's it like you can't you can't hear anything else you can't really you don't really have anybody else it's um it's almost like playing an individual sport when you're on the road because it's like your team just even if you have the greatest team chemistry on earth if you can't really communicate that well you're not you're not going to be able to play it nearly as well so yeah it's just it's one of those things that again and we see this a lot in the regular season and we don't really see it in, in the NCAA tournament obviously because they're at neutral sites which is good because that that's how it should be because home court advantage is so is so advantageous in college basketball but yeah that was i liked how Matt described that and i kind of just wanted to add on there but yeah, in terms of in terms of the games that that transpired on Saturday, I didn't even really watch many of them. I was I was busy most of the day, um, and I actually ended up going to a date function for my girlfriend's sorority, and I it was like at it was at some bar at UVA, and and you know it, it was it was just kind of like they had some TVs on, and it was some some games here and there. I think one of them was the Oregon and. Oregon and somebody was playing. Um, I don't remember who was who it was, and I, so I was kind of watching that game. It was a little bit boring at the at the, at the beginning, so I was just kind of like watching college basketball while at you know a place where you're supposed to be dancing with music and everything. <laughs> and then the I then I saw the Gonzaga game, which they didn't have on. They had on like one out of the fifteen TVs in there, and I was like, dude, why is this only on one TV? So I went over to that TV and I just sat there watching it because I think there was. I think there was about five minutes left and yeah. And Gonzaga was down pretty big and they, they actually started to make a little bit of a comeback towards the end. I think they've got within six, maybe six, five or six points. And, but then St. Mary's obviously was able to close it out and, and win by 10. And that was crazy. I was, and I, I'm, you know, they were showing like during commercial breaks and during halftime reports and everything like that for other games, they were showing all the other games, like the Auburn loss and the Kentucky loss. And I was seeing all these losses and I was like, dude, what is going on? And then Matt actually texted me while I was there, while I was watching the Gonzaga game, like the final minutes, final minutes of it. And he texted me and he was like, dude, if Gonzaga loses this, this will be the first time that all top six seeds or all top six ranked teams lose on the same day in college basketball history. And I texted him back and I was like, yeah, dude, I'm literally watching all of these highlights at 
a function that I'm supposed to be not concentrated on basketball at. And I just couldn't take my eyes off of it because it was just, it was insane. And I'm, I'm glad I got to experience at least some of it. But uh, I also did, <laughs> if you guys, if you guys have the time, go on YouTube or I guess just on the internet somewhere and look up the, the ending to the UVA and Florida state game. I, I remember I told you guys that I was going to be at that game because I, I, I had to leave for that game like 20 minutes after we finished the episode on Saturday. And yeah, I went to that game and we were up pretty much the whole game. And then Florida state came back in the final seconds and made this unbelievable shot. I've never, I don't think I've, I mean, I've definitely never seen anything more unbelievable in, in person in a, in a college basketball game, much less on TV. I mean, I, I think like, I think even on TV, that was one of the craziest shots I've ever seen go in. And uh, yeah, if, if you, if you have the time, just go on and, and watch the highlights. I don't want to like go on and on about it because if you can watch it, then just go do that. But yeah, it was it, just all in all, like Saturday was one of the craziest days I've ever experienced in college basketball. And it's, it's awesome. Like, like we said, you know, it's happening right before the tournament, right before March comes around. And we all know that March is, is the month of college basketball. So that's, yeah, that that's going to be that. And kind of bringing us into the second topic here, we have, kind of a, a related topic to the first one. So obviously the, you know, the AP poll had a major change up after all the op- upsets this past week and on Saturday, but there's some questions that kind of need answering here. So Baylor and Duke deservedly moved up to three and four um, respectively and Gonzaga and Arizona stayed at one and two, even though they both lost. So Tennessee and St. Mary's, they were kind of on the other opposite end of the spectrum. They were the ones that beat Gonzaga and um, Gonzaga and Auburn. And they got these like crazy cool wins, but they barely even moved up despite, you know, these huge top 10 upsets. So the question I have for Matt here is, you know, what do we agree or disagree with in the new rankings and kind of how, how are we to evaluate this? Yeah. I mean, so kind of starting at the top here, Gonzaga and Arizona, both, staying where they were before I, I kind of get that because again it's literally the top six teams like you you can't it would just shake things up way too much to have so much like so many changes go around and whatever and too and also like when it comes to such an, a crazy upset weekend like that you also kind of have to take in the regular season the rest of the regular season performances by these teams okay so clearly Gonzaga now Gonzaga always does this but like they've beaten all the teams they've played by like 20 plus points. And, and so I can kind of understand where, you know, where you're landing on Gonzaga still staying the number one team, because I think by most metrics, people would say they're, you know, they're probably the best all around team in college basketball. And, and the crazy part about that game against St. Mary's was that they literally, Gonzaga didn't lead for a second of that game. St. Mary's was winning the entire time. Gonzaga's offense just looked completely lost. And it's not like St. Mary's is like the, you know, one of the best defensive teams out here. Like, I feel like Gonzaga, you know, is due for a loss to St. Mary's every couple of years. It seems like that always happens. Um, but I think that, you know, it was just a really, it was, I think Gonzaga's loss was more of a fluke than any of the other six teams or seven teams in the top 10 that all went down. So I, I kind of agree with Gonzaga staying at number one. The only kind of problem I have with it is that like record wise, they're not, they're not significantly better than everybody else. Like if that was their first loss of the season, totally get it. Right. But they're 24 and three, Arizona's 25 and three, you know, like Duke and Auburn, they're 25 and four. Purdue's 25 and four. Providence is 24 and three. So like, you know, and obviously Providence in the Big East, but it's like, and, and I think that Gonzaga would probably beat Providence if they played. Obviously, you know, we would want to see that because who knows, but like they have a similar record as everyone else. So I think that's kind of another thing that played into it is like, we're probably, they're probably going to end up with getting a one seed. They probably deserve to get a one seat. So we're just, they're just going to keep them at number one. So I don't know. I, I, I can see both sides of it. Obviously, if like Gonzaga was one of the only teams to lose, uh, this weekend, they would have definitely gone down, but that is what it is. I think they'll probably still get a one seat uh, at the end of the day. I liked how far Baylor moved up because they deserved credit for beating Kansas. Now, if you remember, Kansas and Baylor had played previously, I think about a month ago, and it was at Kansas, and Kansas won by like 35 points, okay? Like they completely embarrassed Baylor. So Baylor needed this win because 
because they were, you know, they were in the top 10, they were ranked at number 10. So they were kind of on the fringe. If they had lost this game and, and even if they had lost it convincingly, it would have been bad. I mean, you know, they, they might've even fallen out of the top 20. So it was, it was really like their backs were against the wall. They needed to show up and win that game. And that's exactly what they did. They also just had a win on the road at Texas last Texas, night yeah. by, I think, seven points. Covered the spread on that one, cash it. And they came out and played, you know? And so it's like they're playing their best ball when it matters in March. So, like, I really, I'm really kind of, you know, I'm starting to be, be a lot more impressed here by Baylor. Um, and, and so that's, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where I'm landing on that you know, with that. And then Duke, obviously, you know, they blew out Syracuse, but like they didn't really play anybody tough. And then and their other game was, was UVA uh, earlier last week, Auburn, uh, Kansas, Kentucky, Purdue, they're five through eight. They all lost and they all kind of just shifted down. They pretty much stayed exactly where they were, except Purdue essentially went from, being in front of Auburn to then dropping three places lower and being then behind Kansas and Kentucky, which I mean, I can, I can kind of understand, right. Auburn lost to Tennessee, a top 20 team, Kansas lost to Baylor, a top 10 team and Kentucky lost to Arkansas, another top 20 team, whereas Purdue lost to Michigan state who was unranked and really was having a really bad season by Michigan state standards. Um, so not, don't really, I can't really complain about that. The kind of where I wanted to, to, to shift this topic to was, Tennessee, Arkansas, and St. Mary's, who were on the winning side of three of these historic upsets, or I guess these 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 in, these very large upsets, which contributed to a historic weekend in college basketball. St. Mary's was number twenty-three, and they went up to number nineteen. I feel like if you beat the number one team in college basketball, the team that everybody always says is the best team in college basketball, who the team who is still ranked number one in college basketball, and you lead the entire game, you got to go up more than four ranks, dude. I mean, I understand St. Mary's, they're in the West Coast Conference that, you know, they're not in a power five conference. So like they can't move up, you know, 15 spots to like number eight. I get that. Don't put them in the top 10, fine. But at least put them inside the top 15. Like you got to, you got a number win against the number one team in college. That, that win is the single biggest upset in the college basketball season so far this entire season and probably will be because the season's almost over. And so you gain four ranks because of it. Like what? So that was a little, I wasn't really sure about that. Um, and then Tennessee and Arkansas both moved up four spots. So Tennessee was 17. Arkansas was 18. Tennessee moved to 13. Arkansas moved to 14. Again, a little tough because Texas Tech and Villanova are Villanova and Texas Tech, respectively, are 11 and 12. So they're right in front of Tennessee and Arkansas. Villanova and Texas Tech both lost games last week. And so that's kind of my thing is like, obviously, you know, let's reward the teams that are playing well, that beat top 10 teams at home, both of them, you know, showing up and playing well, and they're still ranked below two teams who lost, you know, had, had like lost games last week. So that's a little kind of, you know, a little, little another point of kind of contention here uh, for me. And then kind of towards the bottom of the rankings, I don't really have, like I said, I don't really have too many, you know, too many points of beef here. The one thing I do want to point out is just this team that's just been completely flying under the radar. Again, one of those, you know, mid-major conferences that's not going to get a lot of hype is Murray State. Are you kidding me? They're 28 and two. They have the best record in college basketball. And again, they play teams like North Central State, North Carolina, college of Purdue, like teams that you never heard of before. Um, you know, and so that's why obviously they're, they're ranked number 22. So at least they're, you know, at least they're getting the, the credit they deserve, but they've won all of their conference games in the regular season. That's the craziest part about it. And they play, I mean, they, they play Belmont, right? Like if you don't follow college basketball, you're like, who the heck is Belmont? I don't even care. But if you know college basketball, you know that Belmont is usually in the tournament. It's usually because they're winning their conference tournament and beating Murray State to get there. So I, I really have, and this may be a little preview to the, uh, to the March Madness extravaganza, if Murray State can make it to the tournament, which again, because they're in such a lower conference, if they don't win their conference tournament and, and make it through the bracket and everything and, and win their conference, they probably won't even make it to March Madness. I hope they do because like they're in the top 25, so they should deserve a spot. 
I hope, but you know, they might not. So just wanted to point them out as well. Um, you know, glad they're ranked. They went down three spots, but that's again, because it's like St. Mary's passed them, which I totally understand. Uh, UConn, you know, had, had a win over Villanova. So like they moved up ahead of them, got that. Um, so, so those are kind of my takes. I, I, I agree with the top 10. I like how the AP poll kind of decided the top 10 moved all that stuff around. I think they did a good job with that. But kind of basically after that, like 11 through 25, 11 through like 22, I would say needs a little bit of reworking. But again, at the end of the day, it's already March. There's only two weeks. Well, there's only one week of the regular season left. Then we're in conference tournaments. And by that point, you know, everything's out the window in terms of just everyone is vying for for their bid, their March Madness bid and, and trying to punch their ticket. So, um, so yeah, so I think it was just it was just kind of interesting to see how the polls reacted to such a crazy upset weekend. And, and it kind of makes sense, like, if you have so much change at the top, or if you have so many top teams losing, and so many teams kind of in the, in the, in the, you know, in the lower ranks of the top 25, beating those top teams, you're going to have to have it even out some way. And essentially, it's really not going to change that much. So it kind of, it's kind of a wash at the end of the day. But those are my thoughts, kind of had a gripe with, with the lower seated teams who, who had big wins, who didn't really get credit enough for it. But definitely okay with kind of the way that the top 10 worked out and the teams that did lose, you know, definitely got dropped down for it. Yeah, I think that I think that Tennessee and Tennessee and I think it was Arkansas that you mentioned kind of are like what both went up four spots or three spots or whatever. I think those guys did kind of get gypped a little bit with with how the rankings came out. I think they should have been higher in my, you know, because it's like this is the time when you want teams to do, or when, when you look at teams and the teams that are doing well are the teams that are most likely going to do well in, in March, right? Like it's like it's towards the end of the season, there's more, you know, there's more on the line, there's more pressure on these guys. And so the teams that are winning, AKA the teams that the underdogs that, that won on Saturday, those are the guys that you want that, you know, that you probably want to see be moved up in the rankings. Now, one thing that Matt mentioned that, I kind of have an answer for is St. Mary's. And I, and he said that he doesn't really know why they only went up from 23, whoa, 23 to 19. I think it was, he said he doesn't really know why that happened. I think this is a reason why. And it's because if you move a team like St. Mary's up too far. So let's, let's just say, and I don't know what Matt was, you know, if, if Matt really had like a range of, of where he wanted St. Mary's to be, but if you say, I mean, if say you move St. Mary's up to within the top 15, so, you know, like number 14, you can't, I don't, I feel, I feel like you can't really move them that high in the AP poll rankings and risk them staying kind of in that vicinity of the rankings and then give them less than like a six seed. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you. I, I feel like, I feel like the, the committee kind of wants to keep these teams that they know okay yeah maybe it was just a little bit of a fluky win for St. Mary's and maybe it was just more of right like home court advantage type thing whatever like they know that Gonzaga is still a lot better than St. Mary's and St. Mary's just kind of got got lucky a little bit so I think they kind of took that into into consideration they were like well why move St. Mary's up so far in the rankings just because they beat they beat number one once in their schedule and you know, now they're kind of just like sitting at number 14 and then they kind of suck in the tournament or whatever. I don't know. It's like, I think it has to do with seeding when it comes tournament time. They don't, they don't want to have to give a really high seed to a, a, a team like St. Mary's because they're in within the top 15 teams in the country. So that's a little bit confusing. If, if that seems a little bit confusing, I hope I, I made myself kind of clear there, but yeah, that's that's my thoughts on it. Again, I think that's kind of like the same thing with Murray State. I don't really, I I, I couldn't really catch Matt if you were saying if you were advocating for them to be higher. Were you saying that you wanted them to, that you wanted Murray State to be higher? No, I don't think because I because they basically got jumped by St. Mary's and and UConn, who both had like really had top ten wins. So like I understand why they didn't uh, they went down in the polls. I think I just wanted more like hype for them going into at least yeah. the conference tournament and also March Madness and like like again I'm okay if they get like an 11 seed I think I was just more pointing them out I think just as an upset pick like I'm really excited to see what they can do in their conference tournament I hope they win it so they can get automatic bid to March Madness and then I'm kind of going to preview them as as you know if they make it I'm going to take them far in my March Madness bracket for sure yeah for sure and I, I I totally get that but I think that 
that kind of them, they are also kind of an example of, of what I'm advocating for, what, what my point is with St. Mary's. And that's that if you, if you do have them ranked when it comes time to, to pick the brackets and, you know, when it comes time for selection Sunday, if they are at a, a you know, a, a 23rd spot or a 24th spot in the AP poll, you're going to have like giving them an 11 seed wouldn't really make any sense at all. I mean, I, I guess it does just because like, I get that bracketology is a lot different than AP poll rankings and everything like that. But like, if we're, if we're going from the most general sense of the rankings, the AP poll rankings are the 25 best teams in the country. So it's like, if you're, if you're going to give Murray state the the 23rd spot or the 24th spot in the AP poll rankings, and then you're going to give them an 11 seat or, you know, a 10 seat or something like that. I, I feel like that, you know, the committee kind of, kind of wants to stay away from that and like stay away from not really making much sense in that, in that regard. So again, yeah, I, I think that I, I get what Matt's coming from, but I think that that's kind of a reason why we're seeing St. Mary's not really jump up in the rankings a lot. And same with a team, a team like, you know, Murray state who didn't really deserve to get kicked out, but kind of got jumped because of that, because people know that like, if you were to put UConn up against Murray state today, then UConn would probably win that game. So yeah, that's 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 my take on it. And again, Matt kind of covered the the top teams and kind of like the the dynamic that we have of Gonzaga and Arizona staying in at, at one and two and kind of, you know, the other teams just shifting down a little bit that. Yeah, that's obviously going to happen. Those those teams are going to stay um, are, are going to stay kind of high in the rankings just because everybody else that's high in the rankings also lost. So it's just like, you know, if you have the same phenomenon happen, then you're going to have the same result. Um, but I, I, I am happy about, about Baylor and Duke moving up to three and four. One thing, dude, Baylor. And I was watching that, that Baylor Texas game yesterday. I made it like my a priority to watch it. I, I canceled everything else like that I had going on at nine. And I was like, I'm not going to do any homework right now. I'm just going to watch this game. And I watched it and it was, it was really, enter- it was actually really, really entertaining. And Baylor just was able to turn it on at the end. Adam Flagler, he is just, he's a dog, dude. He, he reminds me a lot of what the Baylor team was last year with, uh, with Davion Mitchell. And well, I mean, he, he was on the team last year, but they had Davion Mitchell and then they had another, another really good guard as well who could shoot a lot Aaron of Butler. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, they had those guys and like, he, I think he really uh, reminds me of, of what that team was last year. And we all know what happened last year. So yeah. So that's, that's just a little, again, that's, that may be a little bit of a preview to where I'm going for um, in, in my, in my tournament or my brackets, I guess. But again, that's not, I'm not saying that I'm going to pick Baylor to win. I'm just going to have to see what happens in, in conference tournaments here coming up next week. But with that being said, we can probably move into NFL now. Are you good with that? I'm good. So the uh, like I said, we're gonna do a little little little, little combine preview here. Just give our thoughts. Um, you know, kind of what we think in general. The you know go a little bit deeper into you know what what will happen at the combine as well as kind of get into some some uh, some some NFL draft type of stuff. Again, just super early early preview stuff because obviously the draft isn't for another you know month and a half or so, and we want to focus on March Madness while we can. Um, so so but let's 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 talk about the combine real quick. So Hayden has some uh, some oddly specific knowledge uh, on what makes this combine so much different from past years. What do you got, Hayden? Alrighty, so. If you guys haven't heard in, in the in the news, I actually hadn't heard of this until today when I was when I was searching some stuff up in one of my classes that I wasn't paying attention to. That's I uh, <laughs> I was yeah I was searching around and I, and I found out that they're actually taking I think there's nine total position specific drills that they're taking out of the of the combine this year. So that and position specific means like not the forty not the because everybody does the forty yard dash everybody does the bench press. Everybody does, you know, the the vertical jump and everything like that. So not those, but just position specific drills such as the I think the W drill, which is the one that that defensive backs do where they like backpedal and then they sprint up uh, forwards and then they backpedal again and they sprint forwards and then they catch a ball that's being taken out because and apparently there's like a whole science behind this because like the the drills that they used to do at the combine are apparently like outdated now and they're not, they don't really show what true football speed or true football strength is. So for example, I saw, I saw a theory that, um, that, that wants to 
kind of kick out the the bench press because it's not like uh it's not a testament to true strength true football strength and like kind of um thrust power it's more of a more of an endurance strength kind of thing and so people want to do away with the bench press because they're like well we'd rather see the the force that these guys get when they shoot their hands out so apparently they would have some kind of like speedometer that would me- that would measure that and they would replace the bench press with that like speedometer thing that measures the force of your hands when you when you thrust them out that's not coming this year they, they're still going to have the bench press this year but i heard that like in future years and maybe even next year that might be replacing the bench press but again it's just like position specific drills that they're that they're implementing this year that they're taking they're, they're also taking out old ones and then they're implementing new ones so i think one of them for yeah one of them for linemen is they're gonna have like a screen drill where and they've never done this before where they have the linemen actually like kind of they run a screenplay basically and they have the linemen run out and make their blocks and everything so that they can see how they get in, how they get out on screen blocks, because yeah, you, you, you kind of, you know, as a lineman, you run when, when you run out to the outside, when you're going to block for a screen, but you also are running, like if you're pulling or if, you know, if like the running play is, is kind of going towards the outside and you're coming from the opposites. So if, if the, if it's like a toss of the right to the running back and you're the left tackle, you're most likely going to be, you know, jamming the guy at the line and then trying to go up to the linebacker. So that's kind of like the same motion as going out for a screen. So I think what they're trying to do with these new drills is to kind of simulate what these, what actually happens in a game so that scouts have it easier. And so that scouts have it, have more, I guess, film or more, um, more of what they see that they can actually compare to like what will happen in the game, which it makes total sense. Right. So, but the other thing is, and th- this is this was the confusing thing. I'm I'm gonna let Matt talk here a- after um, after I give this take, and I'm gonna kind of let him give his thoughts on either this or or anything else that he wants to say. But the other thing is, and in the same article, it was saying like these drills are uh, they're also implementing new drills just for entertainment purposes. So just for like people that are watching on TV, they're inter- implementing new drills that look basically look more fun to the average watch or um, average spectators so it's like that that should not be at all like that makes no sense i i guess if if it it's if it's more entertaining to watch and it simulates more of what happens in the game that's you know that's a win-win but it's like you shouldn't be implementing drills that are just cool to watch on tv but don't actually say anything about the game and you're just you know you shouldn't be taking out a drill that actually showed football speed and football skill just so that people on TV can be like, Oh, wow, I'm having fun watching this. You know, that's, that's not what the combine is about. It's not, it's not a, a spec. It's not supposed to be a spectacle. It's supposed to be an event where these college guys can show off their skills and show off what they can really do in preparation for the draft and in preparation for going to the NFL. So that's kind of where I want to hand it over to Matt is kind of see like, and again, I, I didn't really read too far deep into it. So I don't know if there are any, specific drills that are just for entertainment and don't even really help football at all. I'm sure that they're, you know, it's, it's not that extreme, but I'm going to hand it over to Matt here and see what he thinks. So, so go ahead. I love this, all aspects of this. I mean, I am basically quoted on saying, I think that we should honestly do away with the combine if it was going to continue as the way it stands or has stood for however many years now, like literally we talked about this a couple of weeks ago and I was just like, what's the point it's not entertaining it doesn't show the true talent of these players when it comes to actually being able to play football so like what's like what's the point why are we you know why are we still doing it and kind of the you know the only consensus that I kind of came to in my reconciled it in my head was like most of the top guys who are going to be drafted don't even go to the combine and so in most cases it's kind of like a chance for younger or, um, you know, well, it could be younger, but, you know, younger, less, less talked about media driven, uh, you know, those types of players to kind of get an opportunity for them to show their stuff and actually be drafted and, you know, kind of prove themselves athletically and, 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 and whatnot. But you're telling me that they're getting rid of these specific players, specific drills. I, 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 I get that to some extent, you know, play like, what is it? Position specific drills. Um, can, can probably tell, you know, I think that's kind of the thing at the end of the day here. I can see the argument against that, which is essentially if, if you don't have player specific or position specific drills, then you can't really compare 
players who play the same position, which is kind of the yeah. point, entire point of the combine altogether. But I think that, and, and I don't get, I don't know. I don't get too deep into this draft stuff. I don't get too deep into the combine from what I've noticed. I feel like being a football player and just having those football instincts as well as knowledge of the game are like far outweigh your ability to do a, a long jump. Right. Like yeah. those weird kind of kind of drills that they do in the combine. And then like, they'll, you know, they'll be like breaking news. This guy from, from Eastern Illinois broke the record for the, for the high jump. Like, all right, cool. He's never going to be remembered. And maybe yeah. he'll turn into a great NFL player. I don't know, but probably not. And it's not going to really matter long-term. So it's like, sure. These guys might have great athleticism, but like athleticism, a lot of times does not translate to being a good football player because the game is complicated. You have to be a student of the game. You have to know the game. You have to anticipate things. And so I think that that is a good change on this part is like the position specific drills. I get it. You're able to compare guys who play the same positions, but like at the end of the day, you, you are not going to be able to tell who's a better football player just because someone does a W drill faster than the next guy. All right. So, so that's kind of my whole thing with that. Moving on to the second point, uh, which Hayden mentioned uh, of kind of the, you know, changing the drills up to be, to be a better TV spectacle. I also love this, right? Like I, I basically said this, I, I like, I was like, I don't enjoy watching it because it's kind of boring. And now for the most part, like, you know, it's only so many people and they're in this big arena and like all the scouts are watching. So it needs to be quiet and they're focusing it. I, I get all that. So it's never going to be, it's never going to be a game like atmosphere. All right. But what you're going to have is some entertainment value, like some reason to actually turn this thing on over the weekend and, and watch it and, and enjoy it and see these players competing. Because I think that, and, and I can tell you exactly what they're going to do with these, with these new drills, they're going to make them, in the, like kind of emulate what a football play would be because what do we like watching on TV? We like watching football. Like, I think all of this is kind of like boil when you boil it down, it's like very simple, right? Like we're yeah. going to make the drills more entertaining because people like watching football and we're going to make football players do things that football players would do when they're playing football. And that'll be better. Like, I think it, I, I don't know. I, I obviously I'm kind of dumbing it down and I'm not necessarily coming down on Hayden very much, but I'm just saying, I agree with, and I'm kind of trying to explain a little bit too behind the scenes of like why they made these changes. And I completely agree with it. I love it. Now, like I said, I am, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the game. I'm not as much of a fan or, or I don't dive super deep on the, uh, on the whole, you know, off season draft combine stuff. So, so for those, for those types of fans who really kind of, you know, this is their thing, they probably aren't as much in favor of this. And so that's kind of where I seem more, I guess, like a casual fan where I'm just like, Oh, I'm just going to sit on my couch and eat chips while these guys go out there and do their football drills. Let's play football. Like, I get it. I kind of sound like that, but dude, like the end at the end of the day, like if you want more viewership and you want to increase your entertainment value, then you got to do things that appeal to the casual fan. And that's exactly what they're doing. I love all the changes here. Uh, so, so, so yeah, so that's pretty much my thoughts on the combine. Hey, maybe you can give a couple of your thoughts if you, if you agree or disagree. Um, and then we'll move, kind of move on to our last topic here quickly about the, about the quarterbacks in the upcoming draft. Yeah. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with the whole, like, I think, and I think you were kind of trying to, allude to the intangibles that we talked about a, yes, a couple episodes ago huh okay sorry he just got up from his seat but whatever anyway so yeah the the intangibles that that we're talking about here that the that the combine don't really show are yeah kind of the the whole mind side of it Matt just sat down laughing again what's up <laughs> huh <laughs> i don't even know if i, I probably voice cracked dude i voice cracked dude i was given a french presentation the other day and I voice cracked like three times during a seven minute presentation. And by the third one, I just accepted it. Like I, I didn't even really give out a smile or anything. I, was, I just like straight faces kept on going. Like, I'm just going to continue on with this presentation as a 12 year old boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, I think that what honestly, like what I would like to see from, and I, I guess a lot of people probably wouldn't really enjoy this, but I love hearing NFL players talk about, what they see during a play. Like I I've watched this, this one Devonte Adams interview where he's, he's getting interviewed by some dude. I forget who, what his name is, but like 
it's like a 17 minute interview with Devontae Adams. And it's literally just watching film of himself. And he's breaking down what he sees in the defense, how he does his release, how he is able to fake guys out so much, you know, off of his release and everything. And kind of, he, he just breaks down his whole game. I think that should be part of the combine, if not like a whole nother combine in itself, basically like a, like a mental combine almost where guys sit down one-on-one with scouts or guys sit down, you know, sit down one-on-one with coaches. And they probably, they, they might do this like off the, you know, off the air kind of like where, where they're just kind of having personal meetings with the guys if they're wanting to draft them or whatever. But I I feel like it it doesn't really happen as much as you would think. And I think that that's one thing that you can really, again, like Matt said, that's, that's one of the best measures of, of a player coming out of college because we see so many college players have the athleticism and the ability physically, but they don't have the ability mentally to kind of, know what to do in an NFL situation because everything, everything on the NFL field is so much faster than in college. So like they may have the athletic ability and they they've shown that they can do the things that they, that NFL players can do such as, you know, run 40 yards in four and a half seconds. They've shown that they can do that, but they haven't shown that they can know when to do that. Right. So that's kind of what I'm advocating for in terms of like a, you know, almost like a mental combine when you interview players. And, and again, like that would be cool to, for me to see, because I love watching that kind of stuff and looking kind of looking inside the mind of, of these players and seeing what they're seeing on the field rather than just seeing them, you know, run for 40 yards and pull a hamstring every once in a while. Like that's, that's not really fun to me. And I'm, I'm kind of on the side of mad. It's like, yeah, make it more entertaining. And if these drills, if these new drills that are, strictly for entertainment if they are also football related that's awesome you know I'm, I'm all for it so I think I think I'm kind of more shifting towards the side of of, of Matt as well I do think that like I do I, I'm kind of disagreeing with Matt when I say that I don't that I do like the combine and I do think that they should continue it because I do think that it's like a, a good measure of, of physical ability but again I think that there should be some kind of other mental piece that they're still kind of missing there but but uh, yeah, so if, if we're done here, we can move into this last NFL topic. Matt, take it away. Yeah, and, and I mean, just to go along with what you were saying before a little bit too, just to kind of add on, um, I, I agree. I think that the mental thing is super big and that's kind of what I was getting at a little bit is like, you know, right, so so what? A guy does great on a broad jump. Does that mean that he can, you know, read an offense and, and you know, follow the motion man and know that they're going to run a, a trap, you know, to the to the other side? No, that has no bearing whatsoever just because he can jump far on, you know, on his knowledge of the game and how well he's actually going to be able to perform in the field. So I definitely agree with that. It seems like you're a little bit in the middle of the argument there where you kind of want more entertaining drills, but you want kind of the more also kind of, a, you know, a deeper, intense kind of view on the football aspect of yeah. just like, you know, how the guys are able to, 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 to get through it that way. So, yeah, so I, I agree that that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good breakdown of it. So um, let's talk about the quarterbacks. Uh, yes. It's sad that the draft conversation always ends up with the quarterback rankings, where they're at, who's who. And, you know, it, it really does. The other thing that ends up happening is that, you know, especially when you have a weird year like this in which really there's no, dominant quarterbacks that like people are projecting to go, you know, really high in the draft. I mean, we usually see at least one, but this year just really, there isn't any. Um, And so I think that that's kind of the, the interesting part about this, this year is that like, they're not really being talked about very much, which I kind of like, but the, the thing is, and this, and this is what really always ends up happening is that the, the, the teams that need quarterbacks, you know, like, like, like the football team and the, and the Panthers and all these, and, you know, teams that, that, right. That are going to either end up trading for existing quarterbacks or drafting them in the, in the NFL draft, they kind of, you know, like it ends up being more a story of like what teams are going to trade up to get what quarterbacks when. Right. And so we, we start, we started all of this draft talk basically saying none of the quarterbacks are really doing it for us the highest that a quarterback is going to be drafted maybe mid first round, maybe end of the first round, which again, I like, you know, like it, it's kind of cool to see that the other players are succeeding and the quarterback just really isn't, there just isn't really a great, uh, you know, a great group of prospects. But what a lot of people are saying is that what's going to end up happening is all these teams that need quarterbacks are going to be like, well, 
we can't win without a quarterback. So we got to get one. So we're going to trade up for him or we're going to, you know, trade a bunch of other assets and get one of the, so that's kind of why I wanted to bring this up a little bit is that like, we kind of have a contrasting style here. It's like the quarterbacks, yes, are being talked about. They're not being overhyped, but what I think is going to happen is they're probably going to end up being drafted a lot, of, a lot more, a lot further ahead of when kind of they, you know, they would normally be, you know, normally be uh, uh, kind of projected for. So, let's just get our thoughts out there about the evaluations of the top quarterbacks, you know, from what we've seen so far, where we think they'll go and really whether they're even worth drafting with high picks. And I, and I can kind of, you know, start off here a little bit. I think that from the most recent mock drafts I've seen, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, basically a competition between Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis for kind of the, the top drafted quarterback. Um, and they're very, different like almost pretty much opposite style quarterbacks you have Kenny Pickett is a very you know pro style doesn't really get out of the pocket very much uh you know doesn't doesn't run very much but obviously you know has a really great arm uh and then you have Malik Willis who's he's a playmaker um you know he he's he was the entire team for all of the seasons that he played at Liberty uh and, and I think that you know he has he has kind of the intangible skill set of just being a, a, just a, a complete athlete um which you know which we've seen succeed in the NFL too so so I I think that those are kind of the top two quarterbacks in it. And it really is, like I was saying, pretty interesting because they're completely opposite. Um, as you go down a little bit further, you get, uh, you get guys like Matt Corral, uh, you have, you know, you have Carson Strong from Nevada. Uh, so, you know, so some, some of some, like the smaller kind of names who not aren't getting too much hype, but are still, you know, pretty solid quarterbacks who, who are, who are definitely gonna be drafted at some point in the draft. So I think that, you know, obviously, like I said, there are specific teams who will be needing quarterbacks. And I think that part of this, I was kind of going to try to come on here and be like, oh, I think, you know, this quarterback's going to go to this team. But the more that I think about it, the more that it actually like completely depends on what these teams are going to do in, in free agency regarding, you know, big name quarterbacks who are on the market, like Aaron Rodgers, like Russell Wilson. I got a notification today that the, that the football team, the Washington commanders, I should say, uh, are, yes. are, are very interested in both Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, and they're willing to trade Chase Young to get them. So like, that's a pretty big thing, right? And, and something to where like, I couldn't sit here and tell you like, oh, well, the, you know, the Redskins or the, the commanders are going to be picking at, you know, 10 and they're going to pick Malik Willis and they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to, their franchise is going to depend on him. Like, I don't know. Right. So I think that kind of in terms of where it's going to happen and obviously there's going to be more mock drafts and stuff released. So, so we'll, we'll have more time to talk about it, but I think that the, the whole free agency thing and, and contracts and cap space and salary cuts, all that is going to really depend on who ends up actually drafting these quarterbacks. But I think that in terms of kind of the rankings that I went through, um, that's just kind of how I'm feeling at this, at this moment, at least. Um, but, uh, but, but, you know, that, that's kind of where I live. So, so Hayden, what are you thinking? Yeah, so I kind of stand where you where you're at with the whole the two quarterbacks that everybody's looking at and everybody's kind of anticipating in this draft are, are Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis, and I think you can kind of throw in Matt Corral there too. I think that Matt Corral is he's gotten like some hype. I think I think he's he is like a he's like a skinnier version of Baker Mayfield, in my opinion, because he like he when he's on the field he hits people and he's like you know he takes hits out of bounds and he like lowers, lowers his shoulder and everything. And he, he really reminds me of a Baker Mayfield type of guy. Hopefully he doesn't turn out like Baker Mayfield has in the NFL so far, but yeah, that, that'll just kind of, that'll be something that time tells, but I think Malik Willis is, is a really interesting guy. And I've, I've gone back and forth so many times on, on how I feel about him. And that has gone from good to bad to good again, to bad again. So it's, so it's like, I don't really know what to feel with this guy anymore. It's just, it's just kind of, I think that he's again, and I, I hate kind of making this comparison because I don't want to kind of, you know, group these guys into, into one category, but like, I think a lot of what people are saying about him, a lot of people were saying about Lamar Jackson when he was coming out of college, because a lot of people were saying Lamar Jackson, freak athlete, you know, he can make throws, but he just, he doesn't really have that arm talent. I think that Malik Willis has, I think people are realizing that, realizing that Malik Willis has more throwing talent coming out of college than Lamar Jackson did. And pretty much just the same amount of uh, the same amount of, uh, of, of running talent, obviously, or honestly. 
so it's like it's looking like Malik um, Malik Willis is you know even better of a prospect coming out of college than Lamar Jackson was, and we all know where Lamar Jackson is at right now. He's really good. He's you know he's proven himself with his with his football intelligence that a lot of people thought that he lacked, and I I think that you know that this like stereotype that we place on guys that are just freak athletes and use their athleticism so much in college to the point where like we don't really have much film of them using their their football intelligence i think that we kind of just say okay well they don't have any and that's that's not really fair to them again I, we never know you know malik willis could get that out there on an nfl field and prove me wrong and and you know kind of throw a bunch of picks and 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 kind of reinforce what everybody else is, is saying but i think yeah i think he's getting a lot of like hate for not having football intelligence in places where he's just making like mistakes. I mean, every, every quarterback makes, makes mistakes. People watch that on film and then they'll point it out as, Oh, he's not, he's not smart on the football field. He doesn't, he doesn't have football intelligence. That's, you know, (laughs) again, he's a college quarterback. He's at the collegiate level for a reason. And he's just, you know, he's, he's, he's learning. So it's just like, I think that he's very comparable to Lamar Jackson in the sense that he might, he might surprise a lot of people when he gets to the NFL. And I think that I'm more, high on him now than I ever have been in the past. And it's it's going to be cool to see where he lands because again, and it's like, you think about teams that need a quarterback. Um, the, the, a lot of mock drafts that I've looked at so far have, have had him going to the Steelers at, I think the 20th pick or something like that. And I, <laughs> I think that that would be a great place for, from Malik Willis. He has a defense there that is very stable can, you know, kind of, make stops when, when he makes mistakes. And so it's just like that. I think that that would be a great place to put him. Also, Mike Tomlin is, is, is a huge player, what we call a player's coach where he he's kind of, he's almost like friends with the players first rather than a superior to them. So I think that that would really make him comfortable in that sense, because like, obviously you go into the NFL, it's a pretty daunting thing, um, especially as a quarterback where like, if the, if the team is handed over to you, you know, and you're a starting quarterback, that's like super scary is to have that responsibility right off the bat. So I think that, you know, Malik Willis, he, he might have to sit behind one of the other St- Steelers guys. Um, but I think that, the, I think that like the Steelers will try to go for, um, we'll try to go for, for Malik Willis, or at least some kind of quarterback in the, in the draft here. I don't know if they're really going to go for anybody in free agency, maybe Jameis Winston, but again, I'll, we'll have more, more talk about that in the future. I don't want to get too far in, deep into it here, but uh but yeah, I mean that's that's kind of my thoughts on Malik Willis. I wanted to talk about him most because I think he's the most intriguing guy in the in the draft this year. So so yeah, uh, like that quarterback talk. But um, yeah, but we'll get into like more, you know, offensive lineman talk and and kind of defensive lineman Ed Rusher talk in, in the future. Kind of when March Madness is over, pretty much, and then we have more time to talk about the the mock draft and everything and hopefully we can get az on one of those episodes i said that that we were going to get az on this episode or that we were going to try to i contacted him and he said that he was just really busy this week um because we've got a lot of stuff going on with school so that's all right though you know today wasn't like too too in-depth so we'll definitely have more time to talk about in the future matt do you have any any more thoughts on anything i i have you're gonna hear me all right I don't have a betting lock of the week, but I have I have possibly one of the greatest trends that ever existed. All right. I've been cooking in the lab. I've been I've been at work. I've been doing work. And I think I found I think I found it. I think I found the gem. All right. All so right. now it's not just one gem. That's the cool part about this. It's not just one gem. It is 32 gems. Whoa. Okay. A little bit of a tease here. I'm thinking, I was thinking, I'm like, should I release it on this pod or should I just completely tease it and then release it on the next pod? No. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stick to my guns. So I'm going to release it now. And then I'm going to also talk about it in each of the next two pods, because by then you'll have had enough time to listen, get all your info do whatever you want with it. Cause that's the thing is at the end of the day, I'm keeping a record on this podcast. First down run down podcast, Matt's betting locks at a week. We're at a positive record. Now we're nine and eight. So, you know, barely, barely positive, but that's because 
for some reason, Cooper Cup won the stupid Super Bowl MVP. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm always going to be mad about that because that was a three-unit swing. So I would be literally, what? I would be 11-7 and seven if that didn't happen. But anyway, regardless, the record is about to increase exponentially. And that is because almost every year of the turn of the, the March Madness's you know, NCAA tournament's existence, first half unders have cashed at a at an alarming rate. Like it is actually insane how much like they, they just they, they can never make the lines low enough. So that's what we're doing. All right. In the past, so I think it was like, like literally, like in the past three years, three years ago, it was like, it was like 20 and 12. I think the, the next year it was like, it was like 18. And I'm trying to remember this. It was like 18 and 14 last year, first half unders for the, fr- and again, this is just for the first round of the NCAA tournament. So like the Thursday and Friday games, uh, you know, first round, first round of March Madness, each of the 32 games, first half unders last year were 26 and six. People, wow. if you put a hundred bucks on it now, you have to, you have to fund it. But let's just say this: if you put ten bucks on every one of those games, you're you're risking three hundred twenty dollars, right? But if you go twenty six and six in those thirty two games, you're basically making almost two hundred dollars. For you're risking ten bucks on each game, and you're making almost two hundred dollars. That's a crazy return, and and I think that I found it. So that's so that's what we're gonna be doing. We're going to be taking every single first half under in the first 32 game, first round, you know, 32 games of the tournament. And I'm assuming that because the stat is actually like undefeated in the history of the world, it'll continue to be profitable. And we're just going to do it every year from here on out. That's my plan. So I hope you enjoyed the breakdown, the tease, the release, everything that was part of this betting lock of a week. And again, it's essentially just 32 bets. But I think the numbers prove it. It seems good. Um, and, and I think that it's, it's a weird enough kind of first half total. Like a lot of people aren't going to be thinking about it. Um, we're going to rip it. We're going to take advantage of it. So, so that's, that's, that's what I've been cooking up. That's what I got to share with you. I'm going to also share, like I said, I'll also share it Tuesday, next Tuesday, as well as the Tuesday after. So, you know, Tuesday, next Tuesday, we'll be doing conference tournament talk. Uh, the Tuesday after we'll obviously be, you know, be giving out the bracket release, but I am preparing three weeks ahead of time in order to get this out to the people because that's what you guys deserve. And we're going to make a lot of money with these first half unders. I'll tell you that. Hayden, what do you think? I think that's uh, hey, I, I wasn't expecting that, but that's very good. I am happy with, with how that sounds, because if I were, you know, hey, if I were putting 10 bucks on each under, then that sounds pretty juicy. Cause like, again, like Matt said, if that's happened literally every single year for like, as long as we can remember, then why can't it happen this year? But then again, there is that, that, uh, that kind of caveat that this year is like, unlike any other year in college basketball where there's no favorite at all. But again, that doesn't really, that doesn't really have to do with under. So yeah, you're not, you're not taking yeah. favorites. Yeah, you're not, exactly. You know, you're not looking at the team's overall success or anything. It's yeah. because, and I can tell you why that happens. It's because like, you know, you're one of the last 64 teams of March Madness. Everyone going into this tournament has a chance to win a national championship. It's so crazy. All the games. So you come out literally in the most like tense that you've ever played. Yeah. Not only are you like just conservative in like kind of the shots you're putting up or the defense you're playing, but you're also, your nerves are at an all time high. So like the shots that you would normally make are just not going to fall. So it just, it makes sense when you think about it all around. And so I think that, that that's, that's what we're going to be doing here uh, uh, for sure. So, and again, as Hayden said, yes, the caveat is that if you put $10 on every one of these games and you're risking essentially $320 altogether, uh, you have the potential to lose $320, but yeah. <laughs> That's not, we're going to at least get a couple of, yeah. so, and I'm, and I am thoroughly confident that it'll at least have a winning record, which again, it has completely blown out a winning record out of the water. Uh, every one of the last, like literally like 10, 20 years. So, so a, a good, a good enough, a good enough uh, run here and trend on the first half unders in the first round of the first round of the tournament is, is going to bring us home some sweet cash. Yeah, first round unders on the first round of the tournament on first down rundown, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Alrighty, so there's Matt's little betting lock of the next like two weeks or three weeks. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like you said, um, 
he'll keep you updated on that in the in future episodes. Definitely on Tuesdays, maybe even on Saturdays, kind of looking at the the lines as they as well. They won't come out until we know it's tournament time, but he'll 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 go more in, in depth into it um, in in the future. So. Yeah, hope you guys ha- enjoyed listening to this episode. I think it was a really productive one. We only had two sports that we talked about. I think this is the least amount of sports that we've talked about in an episode for a really long time because we've had Olympics, we've had NBA, we've had, uh, I can't even, I mean, I, mean, I guess like, col- yeah, we had college football like a, a week and a half ago or something like that, talking about the about the whole college football playoff expansion and everything that didn't happen. So yeah, we've had a lot of, a lot of different sports here in the mix in the, in, in the recent past, but, oh yeah. And, and also PGA, I've totally forgot about that, but yeah, today just kept it simple two two sports and then four topics. And I think that we uh, got a lot accomplished here. So again, that's, that's what we try to do here on the first time rundown podcast. We try to give you all the, all the news, but we also try to go in depth. So, so that's, that's what we do here, but yeah. Um, hope you guys have a great rest of the week. I am going to be on spring break next week. So I'm super excited for that. And but hey, the the podcast podcast grind won't stop. So I'll definitely be pumping out the episodes with Matt. And um, but yeah, we'll we'll catch you guys on Saturday. Super excited for that episode. Hope you guys have a great, great rest of the week and we'll see you then.